Game Boys. So, uh, I, uh, just simply asked her if I could check out her Rainbow Road. <laughs> I, I, I kiss Koopas. I kiss Luigi. <laughs> I kiss Bowser. I kiss Bowser Jr. <laughs> I give him a hug. I kiss Hammer Bros. I, I kiss, uh, I kiss a daisy. Oh, no, I don't do that. Oh, I don't do that. And even if I did, I, I'm Mario. <laughs> this is, this is what plumbers do. Man. This is a, this is how plumbers show that they're listening. <laughs> this, yeah, this is classic plumber communication. Give them a little kiss and they know you're invested in the conversation. If your plumber is not touching the back, the nape, and your shoulder of your neck, it's your your house is gonna not be plumbed. <laughs> All right, Folks. I think that's a great out from that bit. I think that was a perfect uh, sort of way to end it. Um, uh, and on to the next thing. Um, man, yeah, the downfall of Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> we got the- and and. In the new era of Italianhood. Yeah. What does it mean to be Italian in America? Now, finally, a question that we need to re- that this country needs to reckon with comes to the fore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't. It just. Uh, it's a. It's a lot now. I'm recontextualizing all the Mario games. Yeah. They. They have a really different flavor now. <laughs> I just. It, it's. It, it is. It, it is awesome. He went. He went down swinging. You know. Just like. Just like a game of Mario Kart, you know you're losing, you know, but you, you stay in it to the end and you talk a lot of shit. Yeah, uh, he's just looking for that blue shell. Mm-hmm. He's just trying to find that yeah. blue shell of uh, ill-gotten political immunity. Uh, and, you know. Sure. Maybe, uh, maybe a few retirement homes got the red shell. <laughs> Was that my fault? Probably. I mean, did I shoot it? Yes. Did I know it was gonna hit them? <laughs> Who can say? But speaking of speaking, coming immediately coming to his aid three hours ago, sort of the Luigi of our universe, Alec Baldwin responds to Cuomo resignation. This is a tragic day. Yeah. Really? Why? Like this? It's <laughs> the. The weird ways of, like, liberal, like, centrist liberalism, like, contorting on itself to both justify and, like, de-justify things that are the same thing a lot of the time is, like, really stretches my brain out in ways it's not supposed to go, I don't think. It's not, like, physically designed. Literally, here's the, here's the trick locks, and, and we should follow... In, 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 in this, you know, in not not necessarily in exactly in Cuomo's footsteps, but you know what? <laughs> Definitely not exactly, I'd say. <laughs> we could be governor uh, as a tag team at some point. Yeah, but we've got to get that amendment passed about tag team governors. <laughs> sometimes you need to tap out for a week. Yeah, no, sometimes it's like, all right, Lux, you're in. You handle this, uh, this management thing. I'll do the cool speech on Friday. You got it. Deal. Everyone's really mad at me right now. I'm tapping out. <laughs> Yeah, so I sexually harassed a bunch of ladies, so now i got to tag out and let um, someone else take tap, over. Tap, I'm, I'm tapping Alec Baldwin in. That's <laughs> interim. That's got to be Cuomo's next move, to be honest. Well, that's what's wild is about all this is, like, what you say about all the, all the justification and stuff. It's all, it's all – my point is, is you don't have to be good at anything. You just have to get on TV. That's what we have to do. We have to get on TV so we can be immortal. Yeah, I mean – it is very true that at some point in the past, like, 20 years, it stopped being, are you qualified to be on TV? And being on TV became its own qualification. Like, once you're on TV, the shit you say matters by default now. And it's like... Well, not, not, just, no, well, not just that, but, like, you're invulnerable from, like, consequence because you've been on the TV. Yeah. Well, because you matter. Yeah, because, because you matter. You're insulated by that. And that's... So crazy, because, like, think about the people. Tom Green was on TV at one point in time. Do you know what I mean? I mean, Tom Green yeah, rules, Je- but, like... Jeffrey Jeffrey Epstein hosted a late-night show. Yeah, like, we TV shouldn't be as powerful as it is. This is a huge problem, <laughs> um, uh, which is a yeah, great reason yeah. for we need more video games so people watch less TV. I, I think we need more podcasts about video games. 
Yeah, so people watch more TV. And that's why we're here, folks. Yeah, welcome to the Game Boys podcast. For once, a segue that made sense. This is a podcast about video games. I am one of your hosts. My name is Lux. And I am another one of your many hosts. Incredible, a legion of, of hosts and host bodies that I all control alone. I control all the host bodies. Like the Star Mo. Or whatever his name was. Are you trying? I'm Griffin. Are you? Were you trying to think of the X Men character David Holler, aka Legion? Mm-mm. No, I was thinking of I was thinking of the Starfish villain. Oh, sure. Uh, Sagro, Sarah, Sarah the Conqueror, or whatever. Sagro the mm-hmm. Conqueror. Starmy. Starmy the Conqueror. Let's be real. Starmy would have kicked Starmo's ass. Yeah, I mean that guy didn't even shoot lasers. He just sort of leaked. <laughs> he just sort of leaked Starfish. <laughs> Let's, he jizzed all over Costa Rica. Let's be real. Um, I mean, technically, I forgot what the country's called, but yes. It, or I guess it's more of a Cuba. It's a little bit of a we'll Cuba. It's a we'll little bit of that. a Cuba. We'll get yeah. We'll get into that when we get to it. We'll get to that. We'll get to the Cuban protests over Suicide Squad. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, I guess uh, I just it was it was a lot to get all this uh, Italian, uh, you know, all this Italian heat and to really feel like. You know, uh, what does this mean for the future of Mario? There's a lot there. We wish the state of New York the best. Um, and Alec Baldwin, wow. Um, well, you know, he's good at making it about him. Respect. <laughs> he certainly is. That's one thing <laughs> you can't take away from. I mean, his whole family, down to his down to Hil- uh, Hilaria Baldwin, the whole mm-hmm. family is really great at sort of being like, the world is the stage upon which the Baldwin family plays. <laughs> Yeah. And you are all mm-hmm. watching along. One of the great families. Yeah. The Baldwins, the royal family. One of the Baldwins uh, runs a talent agency here in L.A. And I, and I, and I sent him an email, not, not with my resume or my headshots, but I just said, a, good work. I said, what's up? <laughs> he's, a great, he's a great job being a Baldwin. Great job. Yeah, you did not it. a lot of people can pull off being a Baldwin, but you, you're nailing it. One of the secret Baldwins. I'm trying to collect them all. Their email addresses. Yeah, yeah. Finding the Baldwin sleepers, the like the the pod Baldwins that sleep inside of what we think are normal people is going to be the really hard, <laughs> the really hard ones. But you know, don't get them wet. Um, but yeah, uh, where should we? Where should we start today? Because we have a lot of different topics. Um, let's save the movie for last. Let's save the movie for last. Then let's start with a bang. Yo, Haley, hit it. I tell you all the things you should know. So baby, take my hand, say it's all. We can make it last, take it slow. Ariana Grande music. <laughs> Uh, what what Ariana Grande song should we drop right here? Um, What's your favorite one? The only one I really particularly enjoy is the is Thank You Next. Sure, but you know that one got overplayed. I like the ones where I can't tell what she's saying and just like. Yeah, I mean I'm not you the know? most Grande versed person, so you surely should make this call. The thing I liked about Grande early on is, A, the music was good, um, and I think that pop stars should be, like, just they should all just look like weird little 14-year-old aliens. I also like um, that she licked that donut, because that was, like, real freak shit, and it was just sort of like... I, yeah, and it didn't, didn't even seem that bad. I got I got mad at everyone reporting on it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was a bad action in and of itself, but it is freak shit, just, like, lick a donut. Is it? I mean, donuts are fucking awesome. Yeah, just licking stuff is, like, a weird... What? It's so weird to lick a pastry. She, so what? Wh- how did she get the donut? Once you have I'm a not, donut in your vicinity, like, what crime is it? I'm not saying it's a crime or that it's illegal. It's just freak shit to lick a donut. What? Are you supposed to just take a bite? Yeah, you chomp it. Oh, so it's how she ate it. Oh, so it's like, what is it like? Oh, in New York, you fold your pizza. In Boston, you don't lick your donut. <laughs> I think it's on earth you don't lick your donut. Is the... <laughs> Hmm. I've never in my okay. Look, I eat a lot of donuts. I'm a donut fan. You might even say I'm a donut freak. I've never seen a human being except for Ariana Grande like a donut. And I've been to a lot of donut establishments in my life. I respect I it. I don't think it's bad, but it is freak shit. What I will say is, 
I guess uh, to in your in your defense and your thought process, Lux, that we what we do know I know personally about Ariana Grande is uh, her proclivity for odd food habits is um, you know a, a constant thing in her history. Uh, I uh, I worked. Uh, with a uh, a waiter who used to work next to Nickelodeon when she was on some Nickelodeon show, and every single day she would come in and order salmon and strawberries, the wildest combo. Like like uh, that's like a, that's like what a cartoon character eats. Yeah, that is exactly what a cartoon S- character eats. Salmon and strawberries, and the most important detail is neither of those things were on the menu. So the restaurant did have to get salmon and strawberries just for Ariana Grande every day. Now here's the question. Does anyone ever think about that the initials for salmon and strawberries is SS? Whoa. Little I, little dark. I not, not until this moment, but now it's all I'll think about. Yep, well... Now that now we got a now we got a deplatform her from her Fortnite concert because you know now I have now I have more separating of art from artists. You know what? I there's we're gonna just like church and state. I don't want my artists anywhere near their art. That's like okay? a really I, bad example because the distinction between church and state has really deteriorated the past like seven eight years. Well, uh, I mean, well we're doing it poorly. Yes, you're sort but of like, aspirationally speaking is what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you said that so <laughs> sad. Um, okay, the reason we're talking about Ariana Grande is not because uh, her food habits betray that she's a secret Nazi, which is not a real thing, but mm-hmm. rather that she did a Fortnite concert. Yeah. Um, I wasn't able to... Where she praised Hitler. I mean, uh, so... Uh, <laughs> I mean, oh, Christ. Uh, um, Fort- yeah, Fortnite is back. She praised the epic gods. You know, they've been doing a lot of these Fortnite concerts, uh, and each one has been sort of like a step up from the last. I did not see that. Okay. That's not true. I tuned in for about five minutes of this. Um, mm-hmm. Only because my weekly uh, after work Jackbox game with some people from some of the other channels that we work with was canceled because they all wanted to see the Ariana Grande Fortnite concert. That's right. So I was like, what's this thing about? So I checked in. Seemed pretty wild. It is insane. Uh, and, and you know what? I got to say, its main goal of being a large advertisement for the game 100% worked on me. And, folks, I'm playing Fortnite again. Wow. <laughs> it worked. And, you know, like, here's the thing. is like, it is, all of these concerts have been stunning in sort of the amount of work it must have taken for them to, like, design and set them up. Like, obviously, they're kind of using some of the Fortnite mechanics in all of them, but they really are these insane experiences that you're sort of guiding yourself casually through and sort of experiencing. Um, and And I'm always like, wow, I've never seen a game spend this much resources on something that, like, won't exist again in their game. And I'm realizing now that it's like, oh, no, this is literally just a huge ad and it works it, it's gotta be it's it's so smart um there should be concerts in every game god skyrim concerts um skyrim's not a game yeah i, I refuse i refuse to believe that it, this is a thing well that's fair you, you you get five years to be a game after that you're a book to me okay cool <laughs> that's a good rule that's a good i, I like that um uh, i can't <laughs> wait to read death stranding in a couple of years <laughs> true um all right, so I want to get into you playing Fortnite, but I want to start with the concert. So what? Yeah, tell me, let's, let's tell me about, about the concert. I mean, basically, you you start, you know, with like there is a, a massive pink spaceship floating in the sky above the Fortnite island, uh, and it looks like Ariana Grande has like descended from unicorn space, like to like invade the place, and then you're like summoned up into it, and basically like. It keeps on zapping you into these different worlds where Ariana Grande is like massive, like a giant lady. It's like that's like they know exactly what they're doing. Uh, she's massive, you're tiny, and there's all these different like experiences. Like one of them is like you flying through clouds and like you're trying to hit portals to like speed up or whatever while she's like on a giant swing set and she looks like a god just like flying okay. through the air so like it 
it's all just like jaw dropping. So I want to keep hearing about the specifics, but this immediately brings up something that you and I have talked about a lot in this podcast, which is big lady. <laughs> Big lady, big lady. So they know what they're doing. This was this was like more Lady Dimitrescu, big lady, step on me, daddy stuff. This was way. This was like way bigger because this was like demigod lady. Because it's like, you know, like when there's like special NPCs in like World of Warcraft and stuff, they're bigger than like normal character models because you you don't want like everyone to crowd them so you can't see them or whatever. But this is like the next level. It's like she really did. Like, we know her in real life as, like, a tiny girl. But in this, she was, like, a giant, like, Amazonian, like, like just fucking goddess. Uh, and, yeah, it was hot. It was very, very hot. Cool. Um, and, yeah, she, uh, there's, like, different, like, just, like, error, like, kind of ethereal spaces that she kind of, like, sings different songs in. And, like, you are trying to follow her the whole time. Um and there's other times where she'll zap you into space and then you're like floating around and they used all the different songs really well. And I was just like, wow, like this is way better than a normal concert like where I have to like fucking stand and, and it's hot. <laughs> um, and, and I think that like the more that they can add like the live feeling of it and not have it feel pre-recorded. Like what they did with the Post Malone one, yeah. Um, then I think it'll like really merge the worlds together and probably become like the number one way people want to do concerts. Will it be the number one way? I, I mean, it's getting hot out there. It it is hot outside. <laughs> That's true. I've been, um, uh, I've been uh, outside not a lot. Um, because of how hot it is, but like mm -hmm. eventually, like, I like going to live shows. That's one thing that I miss about for, during COVID is going to live concerts. Okay. But the question though, is like how many, like when you go to live shows, are you going to like sort of like medium sized shows or are you fighting to get to that Ariana Grande concert that you spent $400 to like stand in the nosebleeds of a stadium for? Uh, Medium and smaller, probably. I think the biggest show I'm exactly. going to go. I think the biggest so, like, show that I'll, I, I'm going to go to the next year is going to be like the Mountain Goats. Yeah, exactly. So there, there, there's like tears to this stuff, but I'm, I'm talking about superstars. So you're you saying know? that like, like the stadium show gets replaced with the Fortnite show, basically. I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm saying that like this is like eventually. I mean, they're just the choices you can make creatively in this stuff. It's like I don't know if it'll immediately replace it, but it will start to become a competitor. I think. Um, I, not replacing it right away because one of the only ways that these musicians make any money now is by selling out the stadiums. And like, I don't know how lucrative the deals are in terms of like how much money Ariana Grande makes off these like digital concerts. But eventually, like the digital concerts will pay as well as the, as like well as the stadiums, and you will have less work to do. And also, like, it's important to like create next level viral visual mediums for your art. And there's just, this is just like nothing like this yeah. out there. And like artists are going to like have to like have that arms race in the same way that like they did with music videos. Like this is the next, I think sort of like visual arms race for musicians. Does this mean that we're skipping the Hatsune Miku phase where like Kanye West hologram plays eight shows at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there might be some of that, but like the hologram stuff still kind of sucks. Like it, 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 I don't know. Um, it sucks for doing humans. Like it's pretty good at doing like cartoon lady. Yeah, it's it's all right at doing that, but it's still it doesn't it doesn't feel real enough. Um, like my my Tupac hologram that I just keep in my home, he only has like ten lines. It's like talking to an NPC, you know. <laughs> he never talks about the rent. None of those lines are programmed to discuss how much he owes for rent. <laughs> Um, yeah, he can turn himself off when I ask that. It's really weird and very dark. Um, okay, so you're flying this guy. What were some of the other highlight visuals for you? Um, you know, like, I'm trying to remember now. Like, it was all very, like, Ariana Grande aesthetic. You know, like, pink clouds and, like, you know, you know unicorn vibes. And then, like, a lot of, like, space stuff. Uh, I don't know. It was, like... It felt like you were going through, like, an epic, like, dungeon raid, but, like, the boss was your friend and you, like, wanted to worship her is kind of, like, the vibe of it all. Because there was this forward motion to all of it, whereas, like, past concerts have been a little bit more stand around and, like, watch the crazy thing in front of you. This one, like, really, really, like, ha like added Fortnite mechanics of, like, oh, you need to, like, keep up and, like, follow Ariana, like, Ariana, you know, there was, like, a kind of a weird 
a like sort of platform just appearing out of space, and you had to like jump between them to keep following her. That's um, so they're. That's really interesting to me. Yeah. That, like, like because it's not tr- strictly gamifying it, because, like, I don't, I bet there's, like, not a huge penalty for failure, but, like. Right. It'll probably teleport you, like, back to her, like, if you, like, fuck it up. It would be funny if they're, like, no more on Ariana for the loser. Yeah, fucking get good, casual. Only <laughs> lead gamers get Ariana Grande. It's, like, only 3% of players saw the end of the Ariana Grande concert. <laughs> be so awesome if it was like really hardcore like be, it just becomes from software shit like just like dark souls <laughs> out for the last like 20 minutes and it's like all right well if you can handle this a uh, parry this parry based boss uh you'll be able to see her do her special song you have been grandeed <laughs> yeah um yeah so like i don't know i thought it was cool and i thought it was just like clearly just uh seen an evolution from like uh, the, the Travis Scott concert and like all the ones before, for it, like leading up to it, like and you know, never forget Weezer Island. I, <laughs> um, I can't. It's like the thing that made me be like, I don't care about Fortnite anymore. So <laughs> when I, when I'm like when I have dementia, I'm gonna like be sketching out a map to my grandchildren that they think is like a treasure map, but it's Weezer <laughs> Island. Uh, the Qu- the Cuomo River as well. That joke has a very different tone now. <laughs> it turns out. Would you like to go kayaking? <laughs> hey, look! You get in this. Uh, you get in the kayak. I'll give you a little kiss for good luck, and then we send you down the river. <laughs> I like to be in the back of the kayak. <laughs> you know, kayaks are a very sexual tandem vibe. You know, you really have to sit in each other's laps. Sort of. I mean, there's like a back brace thing. For each seat. Oh, no. There's no back. I forgot the back brace. <laughs> oh, I forgot the back of every chair. Because, <laughs> yeah, canoes don't have a back thing, but they have a lot of space. Kayaks have, like, the back support thing. Doesn't matter. Um, okay, so this sounds actually kind of sick. Is So, so yeah, basically, my, my point is, yeah, leading up is, is like, yeah, it, it, it was really sick. It was a super cool, just, like, from an artistic expression point for like you know whatever ariana's grande like like it's cool because like you know if you're sort of like artists like ariana artists like fucking kanye i'd love to see a kanye Fortnite concert i think it would be fucking incredible um but like they the artists like them they have sort of like an entourage that like creates their their art stuff you know um and so like it's very clear that like you know, it's cool to see Ariana's entourage that normally would be designing, like, her music video, like, get to do something way, way different, you know? And, and so that was cool, too. It didn't feel like, oh, God, corporations, like, shilling me just slop, you know, because they know I'll eat it. It was like, no, this is, like, fucking cool. Yeah, there is – that is something that's interesting about these is that they have felt like – a lot more like creatively liberated than a lot of stuff that we see regularly mm-hmm. in the world. Um, which is like the same thing I liked about the green Knight. We talked about it a bunch last week. Um, and it's interesting that like, this is a space where like, I think just because there's not like best practices established yet in this respect, that there's so, so much creative freedom for like some really talented people to go fucking wild. And that is mm-hmm. like one of the more fascinating things about it to me. Yeah. So, the ad worked, is what I'm telling you. Okay, so let's get into the this. Ad, the ad worked, and I'm I installed Fortnite. I reinstalled. Now you guys know I have not been a fan of Fortnite. I don't like building. I think that building kind of sucks. Um, have you played Fortnite, Lux? Yeah, we played together a bit. Oh yeah, we. It's like one of the only games we played online. Yeah, it's one of the only games so that we've, we've. Yeah, because uh, I hate online games. <laughs> Um, yeah. But yeah, no, we played that. Uh, there's a there's famously in the in the wisecrack Fortnite video a clip of me falling off a cliff and cursing a bunch. <laughs> yeah, I just I I, I hadn't got into it in the past, and, and you know I don't know how into it I'll get this time, but I'm looking for a new game right now. You know, I'm a war zoned out. Warzone is feeling very stale. They still haven't added a second map. Uh, that in that game is like a lot of Warzone streamers are like playing Apex Legends or they're playing Fortnite again, and it feels like just as the community, we're really, really waiting for actual new content, you know. Um, and then Fortnite is just like for me, the idea of Fortnite right now is like, oh, I, I just need a game I can pop on for like 30 or 45 minutes, and sometimes like. That's frustrating with Final Fantasy, where I really want to put in, like, three or four hours at a time. Yeah. You know? 
So it's a time thing for me personally, but it's also a, I want to fuck some kids up. I'm I'm tired of playing guys in their 30s, you know, that work from home and play the game 8 hours a day. I want to like I want to play a kid who's like playing on his iPad. Yeah. You know, who's like dad gave him 30 minutes of screen time and you just like ace this kid into dirt. I want to ace some kids. <laughs> Man. And you know, what starting out low again, I'm going to be playing in like zombie lobbies you know with brain dead lobbies so it's for like a day or two it's it's just gonna be me cleaning up yeah you're just gonna be slaughtering children like a like some sort of mr sinister um mm -hmm. and that's that's good i i love that for you i think that's great that's a good look for you um and this crisis of yours leads into a crisis of mine which is also on our things to talk about list which is that i also need a new freaking game to play man yeah. Um, I tried Final Fantasy IX. I, it turns out that uh, the reason that was the Final Fantasy I've revisited the least recently is because I it's for children, for idiot babies, and I hate it. Um, started playing Final Fantasy VIII, just couldn't get... It's like the Roblox of the series. Yeah, it really is. Like, Final Fantasy IX, like, it's not surprising that they're making it into a kid's cartoon. You know what I mean? Like, it really already was a kid's cartoon. Um, a kid's mm -hmm. cartoon with a bad fighting system. Started Final Fantasy VIII, couldn't get into that one either. Just sort of like just wasn't feeling it. Um, Final Fourteen still isn't doing it for me just because it's that online stuff. It's just a little <laughs> bit hectic. Um, you try, so you're, then, you're like not try. You're just trying all the Final and, well, and Fantasy games. And then I started games. looking around and so, come back to fourteen, baby. And I started looking around like the PlayStation Store and on Steam, and there's just nothing grabbing me. There's just mm -hmm. nothing that that I want to play. Like I'm back to playing. We've all been there. I'm playing Slay the Spire and Monster Train again. I see that. I see that on Discord. I see that you're playing Slay the Spire. I see that, that you must be lost. You're in an interim. You're in limbo. Yeah. If you see me playing Slay the Spire on Discord, it means that I am in sort of a gaming gamer purgatory. limbo. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know this this happens to all of us. We've all hit, had that moment, right? And I think that like the gamer limbo might be. One that everyone is experiencing because 2021 is kind of a gamer limbo. Well, this is the thing is that it's felt so throughout this year, it has been a gamer limbo. There's not been the sort of like, there's too much big shit for me to play. That is sort of the often way I feel about things. But throughout the year, there have been either drops or discoveries that I've made that have sort of like kept it bouncing from thing to thing to thing. And the game that I want to play right now is only available on a high-end PC, can't don't have one of those, or on a dang Xbox. And it's this game, this cyberpunk game, The Ascent, that is supposed to be really good and really fun. Um, yeah, I heard, I heard someone talk about that. And I am just in this spot where, like, for the first time in... You're going to get a gaming PC. Uh, don't know if that's the answer. Um, <laughs> although I'm still considering the Steam Deck as my, like smoke weed toy mm -hmm. um although it still needs to come down in price a little bit for me to want to have it yeah um, i mean you could just get a bong i mean get more like actually no <laughs> i don't own one because i don't like them but um because this guy smokes joints um but regardless oh this this ascent game looks kind of cool. yeah the ascent game look the ascent looks sweet there's a lot of really cool there's that that game looks cool i mean small saga is supposed to come out soon so i'm waiting for that but there's just nothing Ooh, four-player co-op ascent. Yeah, but there is just nothing out there in the world map that feels exciting to me right now, and that's new. And it's like it's brutal. I just don't have yeah. I just don't have the juice, and I've tried so many sort of old new games, like. I bought a bunch of, of new tactics games. None of them are really doing it for me. Um, Dark Deity is still good, but just like booting into boot camp just is such an annoying thing to do that it takes a long time. Like, but you've lost your connection to the force, to gaming. I, I, and yeah, I, I hear it. And you know, we do a weekly gaming podcast and you know, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And usually I have at least one game. No one cares about that. I've been playing all week and this week mm -hmm. I have nothing. I mean, slay the spire, but like who cares? Yeah, um, yeah, it's, and I feel I feel disempowered. I feel like a real uh, mutant after uh, the House of M. <laughs> when Wanda Maximoff says, "No more mutants," 
Um, Three people are cheering right now, yeah. but everyone else is just like, ugh. Hey, look, it's the one of my own, one of the only particularly good Michael Ben, Michael Brian Michael Bendis arcs for X Men. If you don't agree with me, fuck off. I don't care. Um, I don't think he's that good at writing X Men. Doesn't matter. Anyways, um, and that's that's what I've been doing instead is reading X Men. Well, that's that's good though because then like when you come back to video games, you'll have a thirst and a hunger for it again. Yeah, you know that's true. I mean, I'm just like. Yeah, it's so weird because, like, usually I like my downtime comics and read and gaming shit is like 30, 70 comics to gaming. And right now it's like a solidly 80, 20 comics to gaming. Like, I'm I'm mm-hmm. reading comics almost four times as much as I'm playing video games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is is this OK or is this a complaint? Because if it's a complaint, we'll, we'll play Fortnite right after this. We can stop this right now and play Fortnite. We could try playing Fortnite later. Uh, although I might be hitting up the Forge. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm playing. I'm playing for. I have scheduled Fortnite with Bennington tonight uh, at 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, you know, but in general, I don't know. It's like sometimes you need to just completely go outside your Q zone for a second, and then remind yourself what you like about games. You know. Yeah, that's that's fair. Maybe maybe I will hit you up about that. It's. I I will not be playing seriously. I will be making. I will be calling everything Verdansk. <laughs> well, that's good to um, know. That's good to know. Um, like I'm just like it's just really wild. I just always can think of like some idiot game for morons that I at least want to try. Yeah, but it's okay to to be in a limbo, and you know, I I think I think no one should do anything for too long. Fair. Um. I think I, I think that you know we are as humans like re- repetition you know is something that we are averse to you know we're at the end of the day aren't we all just hunter gatherers living out our own individualistic dreams the American dream it's true I'm uh I'm just sitting on my farm waiting for the plants to grow sometimes you have to let the let the plants grow yeah and I think that's part of it but uh. Can you give me uh, like two minutes on on, on you know before we move on because I do have something else to talk about this X Men comic book thing. Mm-hmm. Now I want to read comics, but it always seems so fucking expensive. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, it's very expensive if you are straight up buying all the books as they come out. Um, this is true. There are two ways around this. One is the one I don't recommend, which is illegally stealing them from the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do that if you can't afford comics. I think a lot of the people who write them would probably prefer that you are able to read them if you can't read them otherwise. Yeah. Um, so I don't think that's like actively evil, but like try to pay people for doing good work. Um, obviously you can also go to the library, comic, they have comics there. Um, also Marvel Unlimited and Comixology both have pretty extensive free libraries, even of a lot of the new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you pay eight bucks a month, you can get pretty well caught up on, for instance, X-Men. Um, I am at the point where the online thieves are not caught up to me. Comicsology's free library is not caught up to me. And I am buying issue by issue. Um, yeah, exactly. Because the problem then is like, is like, I know that the entry is possible, but once I get hooked, I'm on a, I'm on a route. I'm on a path of darkness, aren't I? Well, what I would do is start reading now because there's a lot of stuff that's pretty easy to get for free that's out right now with X-Men. Because so, so for just a quick thing is like they did a soft reboot in 2019 led by this guy named Jonathan Hickman who did a really great Fantastic Four run, has done a really great Avengers run. And the gist of it is that uh, the X-Men or the mutant kind in general has created their own island nation called Krakoa. That is just for mutants, and it has super high tech everything, and has all this biomedical stuff. It has these magical gates that can teleport you to like anywhere, mm-hmm. um, and it's like sort of this anarcho-socialist utopia. Yeah. Um, everyone's sucking and fucking. Everyone's pansexual now. Um, it sounds a lot like Little Saint James. It sounds a <laughs> lot like Little Saint James, um, and. It's sweet. It rules. Um, and there's, like, a lot of other really cool stuff going on. But the sort of core thing about it that makes it so interesting and so able to, like, carry a lot of different stories all in the same setting is that it evokes this sort of question of, like, what happens in the world when this country that has 
a ton of power and no real adherence to the economic structures everyone else has to deal with just like pop up in the middle of the world and be like, we're here. What are you going to do about it? Um, and so it's really fucking fascinating. It's really good. And I'd super recommend reading at least through 10 of swords, which I know from friends is available through online sneaking. And a lot of it's on comiXology. I'm listen one way or another. It sounds like I'm going to get my hands dirty. You're going to have to get your hands a little dirty. Wow. But what okay. I would do that's is all, that's all I needed to know. I, I did. And that's not a that's not a drawback for me. I just needed to know what I'm getting into. Yeah, you're gonna get your hands a little dirty because what I would do is read Hoxpox, House of X, Powers of Ten, then read the Dawn of X stuff, which is like a bunch. of I'm not gonna series. remember this. You're gonna have to write this down. This is also time. for. I'll send you later. But this is for everyone. Read Hoxpox. Okay. Read Dawn of X, then read uh, Ten of Swords. Um, and if you're still into it. There will be more Reign of X books out by the time that happens. And in September, the Inferno event comes up. Um, and that's sort of the next big thing that's going to happen. Um, and so by the time you get through all the shit, like up to Ten of Swords, you'll be in a good spot to be like, do I want to pay money to be caught up for Inferno or not? Um, okay. And then you kind of make that call then. Uh, me? I'm going to do it. So if you want to talk about X-Men, tweet at me on Twitter. I need people to talk to you about this. I love these books so much. How much money have you spent on comic books this year? Not a ton, but I'll tell you that in the past week, I've probably spent seventy dollars on comic books, maybe a hundred. It's like one. That's one video game. So I spent seventy to hundred dollars on comics in the past week. Yeah. Um, okay, a hundred is more, but if it's seventy, that's like a video game yeah, now. Unfortunately, most most books that are coming out are three are, are one ninety nine on Comicsology. Mm-hmm. So I've read a lot of books, but they cost like two to four dollars a piece. Um, yeah. So it has not been that taxing. Do not, okay, that's one thing. Do not fall into this trap. Marvel Unlimited has a bunch of free books you can read, which is great. Uh, but if you're buying books, they are twice as expensive on Marvel as they are in Comicsology. Damn. Um, and maybe more of that goes to their creators or something because it's Marvel owned. But I don't. I doubt that just because of how Marvel is. Uh, it actually goes all directly to Josh Whedon's uh, Batwoman script. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And no one wants to be financing that for n- a number of reasons. But yeah, uh, X Men fucking rules. Maybe uh, Griffin, if you read it, we can talk about some more on the show. But yeah, that's, yeah, that'd be cool sometime. That's been that's been a blessing in my gaming ocean, in my gaming desert, because I've at least had well, this other thing to turn to. Well, speaking, you know, of uh, of superheroes, uh, we 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 watched a flick. We watched the Suicide Squad, didn't we? Oh, we did. We watched it. We consumed it, uh, and you know, we'll just, just give our thoughts. You know, give our thoughts for a second. What 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 do you think, Alex? I thought it was pretty fun. That was pretty fun. I thought it was too mm. long. Mm. Thought it wasted a lot of time in the middle. I thought yeah. the first and last half hours were both pretty nonstop enjoyable. Yeah. And I thought everything in between was pretty draggy. Yeah. Totally. Um, and that was what I said. Like I liked a lot of the Harley Quinn stuff, although some of it was kind of trite. I really liked John Cena. Um, obviously, I love John Cena always. <sighs> Yeah, I don't know about that whole John Cena thing. I love John Cena. I mean, I love him, but yeah, I just uh, I don't know. Uh, they're making a they're making a TV show spinoff with that character. I know that actually does strain my like oath to see everything in the Cenaverse because it's like <laughs> it's like I I thought that character worked in that movie because that movie is so about like security politics and like the down dirty secret like nasty shit of american internet like not just american like of international politics yeah. and that that character being like i'll kill anyone in the name of peace blah 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 is sort of like the ethical motivation for like neoliberal warhawk stuff um mm-hmm. and i thought all that was interesting and good i don't understand how that's interesting and good for a tv show i thought that was good as like this is a movie and this character's the themes and that happens that's fine but a whole tv show i don't know man i just like i don't know yeah. how that holds up yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought that there was like there was definitely fun parts, um, but like so like so many of the action sequences still unfortunately are this really boring thing of like the hero just being really good and excelling and like never really feeling like they're in danger or up against a lot, like walking through rooms and just owning bad guys. And it's just so boring, right? Like, yeah. isn't that just boring now? It's like the Harley Quinn stuff at least had those unjustified flowers that made no sense. 
that was yeah that was like oh so yeah like every character is like not seeing reality at all like do we have to remind you that these people are crazy in some way that's like cute yeah they're a little (laughs) weird these guys hey hey when it comes to suicide squad you don't have to be crazy to work here but it helps um but yeah that that's true is i thought that the action sequences were some of the weaker parts like for instance, I thought the choreography of the Harley Quinn stuff when she gets out of the jail cell was really good. Like it was good yeah, looking but that's just choreography, choreography. But it was yeah, right, but exactly. It, but it was just choreography. Like it yeah. didn't. There was no part. Like because when you, I think this is something that is universally annoying, which is that like when you set a fight scene to like cool jaunty dissonant music, and the characters just going wild. What you're telling me, at least, is that, like, Check this out. is a music sit, video. Like, sit back and relax. Yeah, like, this isn't about them struggling or having a hard time. This is about, like, flexing how cool they are. They're doing their cool stuff. Yeah, and it's like it's like characters can use their powers in cool ways and also be in dire action, sequ- like, consequence situations. Right. Like, those aren't exclusive. Really, to go back to X-Men, most of the books in these comics are, like, 25 pages, and somehow a character will... Show up, see a problem, get in big trouble, figure out how to fight the problem, and then fight it and win. And there's a dramatic arc there. And they can do that in 25 pages of comic book. So it's weird that they can't accomplish that in two hours of movie. It's it's just it's just this really it's just this really dumb cowboy walks into a saloon and just shoots everyone in the bar and like that's just like we've just seen better action now and so like the the action that I did like was like in the third act of the film when whatever star thing got like exploded because like oh like this is actually like a real difficult battle like how are these like five little people like humanoid heroes gonna like stop this thing and i was actually like interested to see like how they were gonna write the solution to that yeah right? and it felt difficult too like they tried mm-hmm. things and those things didn't work and then they eventually yeah. figured out the solution and that right. was like it, that's fun <laughs> yeah and, and um and, and so like yeah like that was like the only part of the movie that i was like oh this is like actually like a fun action sequence but it still seems like I don't know if it's just James Gunn, but it's clearly like uh, all the Marvel execs and the people who create these visual storyboards before they like hire a director or come up with a title or script um, is just like, yeah, they just don't understand that like the best action sequences are when multiple conflicts are introduced on top of each other. Yeah, well, it's um, it's this weird thing where like they'd rather someone it feels I can't speak for like the creative people involved. Or I can't speak for anyone like I'm speculating here, but like. It does feel like the priority is more on someone going home and being like, wow, it was so cool when Harley Quinn spun around with that javelin and flowers shot everywhere than it is for them to go home and be like, wow, I was really scared. I can't believe she got out of that one, you Mm -hmm. know? And I think that's like a weird prioritization because you can get the, you can get the first and the second at the same time. Like you can do both. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, see, like, every Iko Uwe's movie, like, those movies are, or, like, most Jackie Chan movies. Um, yeah. Those characters feel like they're in danger, then do something sweet, and they escape the danger. Oh. I, I would also say that the a really big problem with this film is that, unlike Guardians of the Galaxy, um, the Suicide Squad barely has any relationships with each other. There are scenes where they talk to each other for just a moment, but, like, no one's arc is intrinsically connected to anyone else's. And by the third act, no one has made any new decisions about each other. There, there's um, one relationship that I think actually does get that job work, which is Ratgirl mm-hmm. and Idris Elba. Sure. I, at the very, very end, now he can, like, touch the rat. And that does feel like a complete, like, character arc for well, him, and, certainly. And, like, she, she like, comes to terms with her weird dad shit, and he comes to terms with his weird daughter shit. And, like, th- there should have been more of that. Like, it's still undercooked by, like, there's, I'm not saying it's, it's perfectly done. It, but. It's, it still feels like people on individual arcs standing next to each other as opposed to like having like having in that them happen together as a team. Yeah. Um, well, I feel like they, those and, two and, could not have reached their ending without each other, but everyone else is in a fucking vacuum for sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, Oh, like I think that like the shark guy could have had a more, more fun stuff going on. And I don't know. I just, I wanted everyone to make more choices about each other. And that's like what a lot of these team movies 
recently have been like missing and unfortunately like justice league had the same problem i love justice league it looked awesome it was epic everyone had great individual stories but like everyone just felt like they were standing next to each other and like that they had shot that on different days and like just laid them all in yeah you know no totally i mean the, the shark guys was one of my biggest disappointments with the movie because shark guy is fun and cool and weird and then when they get to any kind of meaningful moment they either hide him in a van or he like goes and looks at a fish tank and it's like yeah What's the point of, of having this character at that point? Like, and it's so funny because you mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy, and I thought, and I think the first one basically has almost the same types of characters, for at least for the most it, part. Yeah. It's really just a B team version of it. Yeah. Yeah, and and they do so much more interpersonal work in that movie. Um, right. Even though like I have issues with that movie too, but like, it that one feels so much more like you don't get any like, like I said, like with. With Guardians of the Galaxy, it feels like none of them can reach their endpoint without all of the other ones. Like, it mm. doesn't just need one of the other ones, it needs all of them. And that's the big distinction, right? Is that I think Idris Elba and Ratgirl both reach a conclusion that they couldn't have reached without each other. But they do not need John Cena. They don't need Polka Dot Man. They don't need Harley Quinn. They don't need Fish Guy, Shark Guy. Right. They don't need Peter Capaldi. They don't need Soldier Man. Um, mm -hmm. And then everyone else is in a vacuum. And so it just feels like none of them, the team itself doesn't learn anything together as like a as, like, a unit in a way that they sort of have to to make these movies work. Yeah, and then, like, one of the main guys, like, gets killed from the last Suicide Squad movie, and, and there, I feel like there was just, like, a little too much bleed over from the past one still. Like, James Gunn makes this big a show-off opening by killing off the old movie or whatever actors he could get to show up from the last Suicide Squad. And it's very clearly, like, him, not like, winking at us as the director, right? Like, oh, we're wiping the slate clean, right? Yeah. But he's not fully wiping the slate clean because there are these holdover characters that he, like, insists that we care about, like that blonde guy who I don't even remember his deal. Yeah, Soldier Man. Um, Soldier Man. And then he dies, and it's like, okay. It, it just seemed like there was, like... There was a lot of wasted time on, on on stuff that didn't matter when they should have been focusing more on the team. Yeah, um, because and this then movie sort you of, know, we had two goals, or like two things that had to do, yeah. which is like get that team and like talk about why imperialism is bad. Um, mm -hmm. and it like kind of does the second one and doesn't really do the first one, and right. that's like falling pretty short of its like stated objectives. So let's talk about the imperialism is bad stuff. Um, because, yeah, there did seem to be some, like, very overt um, stuff about um, America funding bad operations overseas uh, and, like, Nazis coming to, you know, Central and South America um, after World War II. There's, like, a lot of stuff going on there. Um, what? How did you think they handled all that stuff? Um, I think if it had all been... It's, like, the problem is this, that it's, like, the, the base idea about, like, neoliberal interventionism and expendability is, like, sprinkled in the beginning, right? Like, there's the scene where they kill all the people in the resistance camp because they, like, don't do their recon properly, right? There's, like, every scene with Viola Davis is, a, is pretty strong at being, like, the, inst the establishment of international security is fucked up and evil. Mm -hmm. Um but they don't really get you to the point they're making until pretty much the, like the end of the fourth act in a five act structure. And then by the time that's like really settled in and clear, there's a huge starfish they have to fight. Um, and so I think the ideas in there are pretty strong, right? These ideas of like, uh, in the name of peace, the U.S. will do all these terrible things, and then, if, but then, in order to prevent those terrible things from being discovered, which would also be a threat to the peace, they do more terrible things, and it layers on top of each other endlessly. And I think that's good. I think the way that the personal ethics of the people carrying out these orders are in opposition to the orders themselves is like a good thing to think about. Stuff like well, that. Well, that's what I want to talk about. So that sort of the. The big problem or the big conflict is that, like, all of these people have a bomb in their head and the neoliberal imperialist order is going to stop them from, like, attempting to do something outside of the U.S. interests in the third act. And the solution to that is that essentially what I would call the drone operators get a conscience, which it's like seems to be such a such a juvenile and such a, I don't know, such a 
like an easy answer to a complicated question um that like seems to sort of just wipe them themselves clean of like having to worry about it too much and it reminded me a lot of our conversation with like falcon the winter soldier mm -hmm. um which is like a lot of shows now are being written by people who see what people are saying on twitter it's not just us reading this stuff on Twitter. Everyone's reading all the stuff on Twitter about how capitalism is bad and imperialism and all this stuff. And like, you know, the TV Twitter the, the TV Twitter liberals are understanding that that is part of the zeitgeist. So they're writing about it and they are setting their premises um, up and they are even sometimes showing examples like even though they do in Suicide Squad but then it seems like their answer to all these questions is like these like really sort of almost too neatly wrapped up bows yeah totally because there's two there's two issues right with the end with, with this ending one is that like you're getting at their idea isn't this whole operation is bankrupt it's that there's a bad person in charge of it exactly. and that a nicer person would do a, would it would be fine that's, a nicer person could run the suicide squad better. Yeah, and so there's that, which is already pretty fucking stupid. And then on top mm -hmm. of that, once once we as the audience know that they have like eliminated Amanda Waller or whatever her name is, uh, Viola Davis's character, once we know Amanda that Waller. she's off the table, um, all the choices they make regarding whether or not to take the data aren't interesting anymore. Because not only the, yeah, because exactly. we know that and, no one's gonna blow their heads up if they take it, and not only that, but like, it, it's like it seems like them taking out Amanda Waller is like consequence free for the employees, like the people who did that. Like, what happened to them? Nothing, right? Like, yeah, not that we see. Yeah, like like they weren't punished at all, and they like literally knocked her out and like took control of a of a like this operation is like a rogue like unit and within the office and these people are established as people who constantly like bet money on the lives of people and like don't have the morality and then like i like i guess they just amanda waller's too crazy for them i don't know it just seemed all a bit much for like for, for like a movie that set up these tough questions it seems like <laughs> it seems like at the end of the day they're wrapped they wrap them up neatly with this oh the drone operators get a conscience and that's how everyone's saved their tendency to wrap things up neatly i think belies how they really feel about the issues which is they don't care they're just mentioning them because they feel like they have to right they don't really care about any of this shit they don't really care about the imperialism they just see it on twitter and know that they should probably make a movie about right it. like if even just like on a dramatic level, right? If if we don't see them take out Waller, right? All we know is that like Waller says, if you guys leave the starfish guy, like if you guys try to fight the starfish guy, we'll blow your heads up. And we don't see them take her out. Um, and then they try to fight the starfish anyway, and then they don't explode, and then they get the radio call that like good drone operators happened or whatever. That is so much more dramatically interesting. Than, than what happens in the movie. Um, but still, and it, it, doesn't, but it doesn't resolve it would the thematic be still question, but this is what I'm getting yeah. at, is that, like, is that, like, this type of, of theme stuff, like, the way they're doing it is so heavy-handed that it's even dramatically inert. Like, it's not like they're doing the themes in this, like, sort of heavy-handed way to boost the drama, which is a thing that movies definitely do a lot of the time. It's less dramatically interesting than the alternative. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's them just kind of like it's they're they're doing it. They're, they're getting there's there is sort of a like a liberal like verbal recognition of these incredibly large issues that are in our faces every day in real life. Um, but there is just a tendency to just shrug them off because didn't we have fun? Right. Cause it's asking <laughs> me to understand. It's asking me to conceive of a bright line where people who bet on which sort of spy guys are going to get killed by the government. Yeah. Um, but threatening a guy's daughter is too much. And, right. and like, it just blows my mind. And then like letting loose a huge monster destroys a country is too much. And like, that's actually a believable turn to me. Maybe because that is like a really big deal to do, but like they, the way they set that up in the movie is 
wait a second, they're going to hassle this guy's daughter? And like, wait a second, they're rude to everyone? And it's like, okay, those two things, you don't get to judge people for that. Y'all were betting money on human lives at the beginning of the movie. Uh, yeah, like all those people should be in jail. Yeah, totally. And so it's like, if if the arc and like, again, it, it's still overly neat, but like, I think that let's walk away from huge monster as a turning point for these people's conscience makes sense. But like none of the other sort of steps on the way there do. Um, yeah. And it, it, it's, I don't know. It's, it, it, it is, it is always going to be too neat. I think that like what I think would be, would be better. Right. Is like the twist is they got brainiac or whatever to take the things out of their head with his brain science. And then, yeah. like, then they go rogue. That's how you do it. And then they go rogue and, like... But we, but that could even be an audience surprise. Like, that could be something that, like, the Suicide Squad knows before the audience. Right, because it's not and like this movie when was... She pushes the bu- when she pushes the button, they don't blow up. Yeah, and then she, like, freaks out. Um, and, like, like yeah. then suddenly you have a real argument, which is that going rogue in opposition to the neoliberal interventionist order is the just action. As opposed to, like... Mm-hmm. Playing by the rules, just slightly changing the rules so that the order is not quite as evil, but just mostly evil, which is, like, not compelling sort of ideologically to me in any real way. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we are both in full agreement on that. I um, loved Weasel. I, um, I did not understand how they had a whole ending sequence for Weasel where he just gets up and walks away to, like, eat more children. Yeah, I mean, that's what I love about Weasel. You know, can't keep a good rat guy down. It's like that was such an odd, odd post credit sequence. It was super strange, um, but I just like that was really kind of well executed, just like really frenetic and funny sounds and weird. Like, I like that. Mm-hmm. There's definitely some fun moments. And uh, listen, folks, Idris Elba, I'll, I'll, I'll keep watching all that garbage if he's in it. And I, I, who cares? Speaking of him. We have one last piece of video game slash movie news. Huge, Huge. fucking news. Which is uh, Idris Elba, fucking Bloodsport himself, will be <laughs> Knuckles. Eggman. Oh, for fuck's sake, Eggman. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's, uh, He's Knuckles. He's I Knuckles in Sonic 2. Idris Elba is fucking Knuckles. You know... I, who cares? Every, everything is getting worse. The world is burning. We got 10 years left on the planet, but Idris Elba is Knuckles. Yeah, it's... And I, and I, and I will get excited. Yeah, there are... Uh, there are a lot of reasons He's to be a, upset about the world that we live in. And grabbing yeah. the small rays of sunshine like Idris Elba playing Knuckles in Sonic 2... It's just how we're going to make it through this, if we do. Yeah, and we may not. Not to sound but, overly but, optimistic. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's uh, it's a great day. And, you know, what a great what a great way to announce it, too. You know, just uh, Idris just posting on his Twitter account, just that red fist. Wow. We love to see it. You know, the first Sonic was very underwhelming. I imagine Sonic 2, you know, all those same creatives, they're back for the second one. They've been rewarded, so this one will also be underwhelming. But it'll be fun when Idris is on screen. And I'll keep watching that garbage. That's the power of an actor. Yeah, I mean, and that's something... This is a bigger conversation. An actor's like 90% of the game. This is something for another another day, but, like, it's the power of an actor and it's a power that we are, we have less and less in movies these days as like actors, like star type actors are getting slotted into like franchise character slots. True. Um, that's a bigger conversation. There's a lot of stuff with that, but it is sort of like, Hey, uh, like we don't, there's so few movies that are going to just yank me in. Cause the guy is in them, except for like John Cena, who I, as a bit like five years ago, swore to myself I'd see everything he was in not realizing how much stuff he'd end up being in um Mm -hmm. right but like that's we're losing that dynamic a little bit I think uh and I think that's one of the many marvelization issues of of modern cinema yeah yeah um well speaking of the the power of a the power of a personality 
we wanted to do uh, right right here as we close out this episode. Uh, today is the weekly update on the Blizzard shit show. <laughs> That's right. It is still a shit show. Yeah, you um, thought Andrew Cuomo an- was the only serial harasser we were going to talk about on this show. I uh, play a little bit of Hearthstone. Hey, look, maybe I go in the WoW. Maybe I got some custom emotes that some people might think are a little on the edge. They they let me do slash spit. <laughs> I slash spit on everyone. I slash spit on NPCs. I slash spit on Thrall. Um, yeah, like... Today, this week has been a great week because this is the week where <laughs> random different Blizzard devs have been liking, retweeting, and posting online things about how Asmongold is the problem with the community and how he has created and made, wow, a toxic space, which uh, is very, very funny to me. Um, and it's really funny, too, because, like, they know what they're doing. Like, it's very easy for, like, one of Asmongold's 100,000 million viewers to see tweets about the game from the developers that they follow and be like, hey, Asmund, look at this. So it's like they're directly talking shit, and guess what? Now they're complaining about it. And it's like, I'm sorry. I'm so sick of this culture of, like, when people go online and post and talk shit and then are shocked, surprised that they get shit talked back to them. Yeah. Sorry. If you post, people are going to post back. This is not a fucking safe space for only you to be the toxic one. Yeah, it is this weird thing where people... Well, it's that... I mean, it's it's this thing, right? This is a universal thing. People don't conceive of their own shitty behavior as shitty most of the time. And mm-hmm. so when they do something shitty and people respond shittily, they're like, why is everyone being so shitty to me? I was just being normal. It's, it's also the idea that only people with large followings can receive shit. And it's like, no, motherfucker. We're all posting on this public platform, okay? And like, it does not matter to me that you only have two thousand followers on Twitter. That's like that does that, that doesn't mean you're some small account that where if you are uh, being an asshole to someone that you don't be shocked, just don't be surprised. But literally, so few people have ever right. uh, been put in a situation like this before. Like, they're just not used to getting it back. At There's them. also this thing that is related to that, which is that like. People think that follower counts are constitutive and meaningful in terms of, like, power in the world, mm-hmm. which they're not. They're com- mm. they, they can be and they can benefit people a lot, but they're not. <laughs> like, for instance, mm, there's a lot I of, like, know. rich white guy devs or, like, rich, just rich people devs or rich people anything who have, like, 500 tw- Twitter followers on Twitter, right? Um, and post from that perspective and then are shocked when people are mean to them on Twitter for the reason you're talking about, which is they're like, I'm just a little account. It's like, yes. That is one component of who you are. That's true. Mm-hmm. But there's a bunch of other shit going on. And it's really crazy to me that people think that on Twitter, the only power dynamic that matters is follower count. But all the real life power dynamics still exist in that space. They don't just go away. And it's very, and that, but that's like how people act. And that's the thing you're talking about where someone's like, I only have 2000 followers. Why are you yelling at me? And it's like, cause you said something shitty from a shitty perspective. Like yeah, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll, take, even, I'll take even, I'll take that even further to a place you may not even agree with, which is that, like, I don't care if you're, like, eight years old. If you go online and talk shit and receive shit back, that's a learning lesson. That is that's that's that is learning how people communicate. It's like, oh, I put out toxic energy and I received it. Maybe if I put out nice energy, I'll receive nice energy. And I think that's a lesson worth learning. I'll, I'll um, push like, back outside- on that and just say that, like, <laughs> there's, like, a bright line threshold for children. Um... But yes, I do generally kind of agree. And it's not saying you should never be mean to kids. Sometimes you should be mean to kids, but like not too much. They're kids. Oh, no. I mean, like, I'm just saying, like, if someone is like, you know, obviously hit kids all the time is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> okay, yeah, cool, good. I, I, I mean, more just like it's like, you know, I, I think that being mean to a kid in person is way different than like, a random kid on an anime avatar account or something like posting online. Like, I think that like learning about communicating in these spaces and like how to compose yourself uh, is a real thing, but yeah, be, be really mean to kids, be meaner to them than adults. Uh, but so there's one last detail to this story. 
uh, that I, I wanted to add, which was really funny, which is that one Blizzard developer um, got um, like hate from people on LinkedIn. And so that Blizz developer then like screenshotted their name, their job and where they work and like was posting it on his Twitter. So he's like semi doing like a like a like a like a diet doxing, like a doxing light Wait, uh, on, on a Blizzard developer is so mad at the trolls that he is light doxing the trolls by posting their LinkedIn's. So now it's like the Blizz developers are accusing people of being toxic and they're like posting people's names and jobs and shit like that. It's like. Jesus Christ, like, uh, you know, who's leading this company? I say anyone posts, they're, I, they're done. I fire them. Yeah, no posting at Griff Corp. No posting. What are you doing? Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it's also just like so embarrassing. It's like, it's this weird, weird thing where it's just like, you're... Like you blaming Asmund Gold for something stupid that's for for your game being bad. And like it's like Asmund Gold keeps your fucking game alive, you chumps. And it's like you don't think that everyone who's seeing these tweets is not in, like isn't like everyone who's seeing these tweets is engaged with the context in which all this is happening. Yes. Like, and so they're reading with that in mind. And so when you act like a big fucking wiener about it in the midst of all of this shit, it looks fucking terrible. I, I like it. I hope they. I hope they like start doing death threats and stuff. That'd be so sick. Yeah, it'd be dope like, if they I, start I mean, doing death threats, dog. That would be really sick. I, I mean, it's just like it's like if we're doxing this week, then how? Where are they going to take it next week? Because it seems like we have got a weekly cycle of like you know, it seems like they're committed to sort of being on fire. Yeah. Well. <laughs> um. That's true. It's, like, it's not. It you know. It's not that this is fine meme. It's like a. It's like this is correct. They love it. They like the fire now. <laughs> yeah, they love it. They. I, it seems like they love it. It seems like they're having the time of their lives. So, anyways, um, if anyone uh wants to, you know, uh, anyone on LinkedIn wants to dox me, I welcome it. Okay, just more followers. No pub is bad pub. Yeah. Um. Well. That sounds right. No pub is bad pub. <laughs> Doc's Griffin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Start doing death threats. Um, that's what the Game Boys. The world is ending. That's what the Game Boys tell you uh, every time. Oh, oh, Sonic. Yeah, doing death threats. Oh, I, Sonic. I got, I got the info. We're gonna do a Doc's. Hello, Sonic. Hi there, Sonic. Hi. It's me, Idris Elba. We go and dock some people. We is. No, no. Uh, oh wait, and then, oh wait. You hear the you hear the of the of the whipping of of the tails, and and they're like, oh, uh, hello, I'm Tails. I <laughs> starring Idris Elba, Ben Schwartz, uh, and Andrew Cuomo. I am very happy to be. I I go fast. Oh, some say too you, fast in my relationships with women, but uh, I'm just a little fox guy. <laughs> You'll barely know I was there. Um, God, awful stuff. Um, that's going to wrap it up for us. We've gone long, which is great. Good vibes, good app, great fun. We all had a good time. Um, so that's going to bring us to our plug. So the first plug of the day, as always, is to make sure you check out our incredible editor and producer, Haley, on Instagram and YouTube at Eat Every Sound. Then check out my illustrious co-host, Griffin, on Twitter at Griffin P. Davis, uh, on twitch.tv slash Room, and on TikTok at Griffin P. Davis as well. Then you can find me uh, on Twitter at Tailboy. That's T-A-L-T-A-I-L underscore B-O-I. I misspell it every week. Um, and you can find uh, me streaming on Thursdays at twitch.tv slash Forrest G. Walker. And you can find Party World Wrestling on YouTube at Party World Wrestling or on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Party World Wrestling. That's going to do it for us this week. Goodbye, everyone. Rainbow Row. <laughs> That's I was like, it was gonna be something.